Welcome back to the Lily Kate Show. My goodness, it has been a crazy week, I think, for all of us, not just in our personal lives, but with the wild news and an unprecedented story about the Supreme Court draft leak, which was voting on Roe v. Wade. So, of course, we're going to talk about that today. We also have a guest coming on later who is very near and dear to my heart. But with this unprecedented time, um, a leak from the Supreme Court, specifically in a draft of this magnitude, has never happened before. Nearly 100 pages of a draft decision about a case coming coming up in June that is challenging Roe and wanting to overturn Roe was leaked to the public through a source at Politico. And obviously Politico is a very left-wing news outlet. So at first we didn't really trust that until Chief Justice Roberts came out and confirmed that that is precisely a legitimate draft that had been leaked. Clearly, if you read into this on the very basic level, this is an effort to intimidate the Supreme Court justices into submission and trying to flip one of their votes because Democrats, radical leftists, ultra feminists believe that abortion, of course, is one of the most sacred rights that women actually have. And so this leak, I would go so far to say, was planned and coordinated by someone on the left side of the aisle who's more who's more political activist than they are judge, or say it was a law clerk from one of the sides of the justices that uh, preside in their office. Regardless of what it is, it's a tactic of intimidation because they want to flip the vote and protect their religious sacrament of killing babies. Well, Lily, how do you know that it's one of the most sacred rights that women have? And why do you think the left thinks this? Well, because... In my actual boots on the ground experience of asking students on college campuses questions for my new show called Sanity Check, this is what they actually said. Do you think that abortion is one of the most sacred rights that women have? We have free speech, ability to protect ourselves, right to privacy. Apparently we have the right to abortion. So do you think that's like equal with the right to free speech? Yes, I believe that if you want to, you do whatever you want to with your body. You know, it's like your, your choice. I'll say yeah. Yeah, because they think it's directly killing a baby. The fetus isn't fully developed. It can't feel anything. The students at these colleges, specifically the clips that you listen to, were from College Long Beach and California, they really believe that a woman's right to have an abortion is on par with her ability to speak freely as a free agent and citizen of the United States. They literally believe that is equal to the right to defend yourself. They believe that it is on par with the right to privacy, <laughs> whatever the right to privacy actually ends up being. We now are asserting that it is worth compromising the integrity of the Supreme Court, the highest court of the land, to be able to fight to protect what right? The right to kill a baby in our Constitution. Here's a really chilling clip to illustrate where we are and how much value we think babies in the womb actually hold. Lives matter or just some black lives? The black lives killed by black men matter, right? Yes? The black babies killed in the abortions clinics matter, right? The black officers killed by that bastard in, in Minnesota, that matters too, right? Okay. But the black babies that are killed in the abortion clinics don't matter, do they? Medical people. Uh, do their lives matter? Does the future of our black babies matter? Huh? What's up? What's up? Awful quiet now, aren't they? So some kind of medical freedom protest was happening outside of a big building. And you can see that um, there are lots of healthcare workers holding up signs, wearing masks. I'm not really sure what they're protesting exactly, but the point still stands. Pro-lifers, and I want to submit this to you today because pro-lifers are the least racist people because we are fighting for the majority of black babies who are being aborted to be able to live. 72 to 79% of Planned Parenthoods are in minority areas. 
ideas. Margaret Sanger was a vehement racist and hated black people. She was eugenicist and she literally tried to make the argument that black people are inferior to white people or people of other races and we should try and outbreed them. So breed so much <laughs> in one direction and castrate and sterilize all of these black people so that the that they wouldn't be able to have babies in the end. In New York, the most dangerous place for a black person to be is in their mother's womb because 35% of pregnancies in New York end in abortion. But I think the tides are turning our way because the draft of the Supreme Court case that was revealed and leaked showed that the court majority, in fact, would uphold the right thing and overturn Roe v. Wade. And so what that means, essentially, is not that, and you're hearing this a lot in the media, that abortion will be completely illegal in the United States. That's literally not what's happening. As a pro-lifer, I totally wish it was, and I think that pro-lifers need to take it upon themselves to make that the goal after Roe is overturned, but it means that the question of what should we do about abortion should go back and would go back to the states. But as you can see, uh, Senator Pocahontas is very angry about the democracy being restored. This is what the Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench Mwah, uh, 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 evil laugh. We have been plotting for decades to accomplish this. Um, yeah, of course we have. So have you guys. You've been plotting for decades to sexualize our children, discriminate against people based on race, a.k.a. cough, cough, white people, and you've been trying to turn the culture culturally left so that there's no saving graces of a good religion and a good way of life that seems to mean anything to people anymore. Why does it make you so angry whenever we are plotting for something and we actually make gains on that something? Because you're so used to getting your way that when we make moves, you are left to rage cry and be angry and shrill. But I do want to point out that there is something so evil and sinister about old women who definitely would not be able to have children anymore raving and ranting and yelling about how much she wants to kill not her own babies but everyone else's babies. She's so opposed to life in general that she wouldn't even just want the right to abortion to kill her own babies if she was able to have them but she wants to be able to kill your babies and all babies in general because that's what this evil satanic narrative, this feminist ultra feminist ritual has led to. But here's another point. We often hear the libs talking about how much they want to defend democracy. You've all heard the talking point. January 6th was an assault on our democracy, our sacred democracy. And anything and everything is a threat to our democracy. But I would like to make this point. If the court overturns Roe, what that means is, as I said, the question is going to go back down to the states once again. What should we do about abortion? This is literally putting the power back in the people's hands. And here's how. Legislators are elected by the people. You get to go cast your vote, your sacred right to vote, because apparently that's one of the most sacred things. Everything is sacred to the left, except like life, apparently. But your sacred right, you get to exercise your right to vote because you go vote at midterms and any other kinds of elections you have. You vote for politicians who are going to uphold and represent your beliefs that you think are right. The legislators go into the Congress of your state and they make laws 
pertaining to this question of abortion. Right now, a lot of states don't get to make these laws because of Roe. But all this does is put it back in the hands of the le legislators, which is back in the hands of the people to make decisions about abortion. We know that the radical leftists and the feminists, they don't actually care about our democracy. Democracy is just a scapegoat word for death and suicide and the ability to kill your children. Because that, in fact, would be restoration of proper the proper form of democracy. And as we know, red states are going to get redder because 26 states have trigger laws that says abortion will be completely illegalized as soon as Roe is overturned. And blue states are going to get bluer because now they're saying we need to codify Roe into law. They're not going to be able to push that through, of course, before the Supreme Court decision is made. It'd be a lot harder to get it through after. But blue states are going to probably have abortion up until and after birth. Why do I say afterbirth with such fervor? Well, here's a video that Live Action posted, and I hope this chills you as much as it did for me. To legalize infanticide seven days post-birth, let's go see what Californians think of the bill. So I prefer that most women make their decisions at eight weeks, but, if, but I'm also in support of 10 months out of the womb. So you think babies should be aborted 10 months after they're born? If if the mother wants to, yes. I think f them kids. So if like you want to get a late-term abortion, like that's up to you. You know, I've had an abortion too, and it's it's it was my choice, and I'm happy I had that choice. Um, anything that is you know pre-birth, if it involves uh, termination of a fetus, uh, that's considered an abortion. I 100% support it. I've had an abortion myself. I made the choice that was right for me, and now I have a life that I enjoy, and I wouldn't take it back. Would you guys get an abortion again? Yes. 100%. 100 yeah. times. I'd do it multiple times. That literally gave me shivers. People, that guy said 10 months. 10 months after babies outside the womb. Just horrible and very creepy and very scary. But the sad reality is that abortion is a symptom of the creeping societal woe of people not wanting to even be alive at all. There's this picture going around, and I think Benny Johnson retweeted this. Um, that's where I saw it first. He said, this is the saddest image I have ever seen. It perfectly en encapsulates the position of the leftist dehumanization and erosion of human value. He put that really well. He said, your life matters. Pray for this person. Well, there's this picture of this protester outside, I, I assume some kind of government building, has a mask on, people around her are masked up and looking all depressed and sad and robot-like, but the sign, she's holding a sign that's a very simple sign, it's, it's white, and it just has black Sharpie on it, it says, I wish my mom had aborted me. Isn't that sad? People are literally taking it upon themselves to claim that since abortion is such a sacred right, they wish that their mom had exercised that right when they were younger and literally killed them. The left is the party of suicide. The left is party of the party of death. The left is the party of people not wanting to even live a great life at all. That's a very sad existence. But the scary thing about this is, though, the media is totally freaking out about this. Well, I guess it's not scary. It's expected, but it's been blown way out of proportion this time. Here's just a few libs screaming about it. These libs are holding signs of our Supreme Court justices of their heads the size of like a really fat person and they are screaming about the right to kill their own children. This is one movement that can get the left and right really to mobilize. But also here's some other reactions, not specifically this issue, but a jointed issue. 
aborted babies being burned and then used for electricity? I hope they are. Jesus, I am so fucking tired of seeing this. You know what? I fucking hope so. I hope so. I sure hope so. I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> oh god, I hope so. I can just imagine the fucking snowflakes with that one. <laughs> oh no. I just eat mine straight from the can. I don't think we should be asking, are they being burned and used for electricity? I think we should be asking, why aren't they being burned and used for electricity? Reuse, reuse, recycle, and burn them. Ooh, sustainable energy. I love the advocacy. We should try it if we have it. Portable charger. Give me your feet. So the girl speaking at the beginning of that is actually one of my friends. She is a live action ambassador uh, representative, and she does a lot of great pro-life work and pro-life research. So her name is Samantha. I actually had her on the podcast before. They say, yeah, we should absolutely be burning fetuses for fuel. Horrible. We are prioritizing the environment over literal human existence. And this is just, of course, the inversion of the natural order that the Lord has for the world. But in reality, the liberals don't even know what's happening. They truly believe that overturning Roe would make abortion completely illegal. They think that burning fetuses for fuel and burning babies for fuel is something that is environmentally good and a moral good. And that's not true, obviously. But that just comes par with the course of being a leftist. You generally have really no idea what you're talking about. And uh, this is really funny because I've learned with Sanity Check, as soon as you start pushing them just a little bit, that's when they crumple. When you're arguing with people, if you just give them that little nudge and bring up the facts, they don't know anything but their political slogans. Don't really know what you're talking about. You can't define the most basic of terms, and your arguments only go one sentence deep. And not only, you know, can we not define the term woman anymore, and by the way, the left remembered what a woman was real quick as soon as this draft leak decision came out, but <laughs> even a lot of people don't even know how to define the basic term conservative. This has never been before shown um, because I was given this piece of footage by a Turning Point USA chapter at UT Arlington, which I recently covered. There's basically this whole drama where the student body president was getting impeached for a number of issues, and we covered it a little bit on Sanity Check. But this UTA senator tries to define the word conservative in the impeachment trial against the student body president, and this is hilarious. What is the political orientation of the impeachment manager, if I may ask? I identify as a Democrat. How would the impeachment manager define conservatism? A conservative is someone who, by definition, you know, wants to not spend so much money on taxes, or someone who, I don't know, um, you know, someone who disagrees about abortion or things of that nature. That's what I would say. <laughs> like, she, she says, um, I don't know. There's nothing more gratifying than seeing the most basic of terms not able to be defined by radical leftists. And it just proves to you that they, again, have no idea what they're talking about. But these are the type of people that would try and censor and monitor other individuals. Not only because there's an impeachment trial happening and, and finished at UT Arlington, but because 
you know, and obviously they're freaking out about Twitter and Elon Musk taking over Twitter, but everybody's focused on this abortion issue right now. But the left has gotten so radical and so soft and sensitive that they now think words are violence. No, no, in fact, they think silence is violence. They think everything is dangerous. They think everything is threatening. And something is equally as threatening if it is physically threatening you than to it is mentally threatening you than to it is emotionally threatening you. There's no difference between mental, emotional, spiritual, or um, physical anymore with the left, apparently. And so if something is dangerous, then it's dangerous to your whole being, not just specifically either your ideas or your physical body or your mental state or your spiritual state. And you're like, oh, Lily, nobody's actually going to think that. They don't think that something you're physically doing is threatening either to your environment or to the people around you. And also, like, it's so irrational to say that they would try and monitor that because we want everybody to be able to live their full autonomous life because essentially, as the left always asserts, if you have autonomy, then basically you're a free agent human being and you should have your own rights and ability to make decisions except if you're an unborn baby, of course. But the thing is, they don't actually believe that. We're going to um, jump over the pond a little bit to see what they're doing in Italy, because Italy is literally monitoring people's behavior, trying to censor and control other individuals because of some of their behavior, and they believe that that behavior is threatening. And you're going to be shocked by what they think that behavior is threatening to. In an article called Uncovered DC, it talks about how Quote, in line with the recommendations being laid out by the World Economic Forum in the UN 2030 agenda, Italy plans on launching a social credit style app that has striking similarities with communist China's social credit system. The app rewards or punishes its citizens for their behavior, dubbed the, quote, smart citizen wallet, end quote. The app will track activities such as recycling, public transportation use, and energy management primary argument for this program is to save resources and promote climate-friendly behavior. So they're literally making an app to monitor your behavior and interaction with the environment around you. But oh yes, we only want to monitor what you're doing and interacting with in regards to the climate, wink wink. Believe it or not, when you walk outside, when you are inside your house, you are interacting with the climate. Climate is another word with the left that doesn't even have a definition anymore. What does it mean? What does the climate mean? The climate is everywhere. The climate is everything. The climate inside my house is really hot right now and I'm literally sweating. So that's the thing. What does climate actually mean? And but why are we taking their words for face value? Oh, we just want to monitor your behavior in regards to the climate. But soon enough, that's going to mean, well, you're going outside too much because your gas emissions are becoming too large. You need to stay home. Oh, you're just eating too much red meat and that's harmful for the climate. You need to eat more soy products and get submissive. And your testosterone, if you're a guy, needs to diminish and go down because you can't be as big and strong as you are. What's stopping them from monitoring every other aspect of your life? How much you're sleeping, as I said, what you're eating, who you're hanging out with, what mail you sent, what texts you send. We know that TikTok has the power as an app installation on your phone to like monitor everything you're doing. And so what's stopping this app from monitoring every little bit of existence about you, controlling you and being able to rack up points about how good of a citizen you're being. And this is entering the Western world. You know, I don't particularly care about China, okay? I love America and I love Europe, but this is entering Europe. Italy is just one of the first countries to adopt this. I believe it'll go to France next. It'll go to Britain next. It'll go to Spain. 
It's going to go to Greece. It might even, in fact, go to Israel. And all of a sudden, we know what happens in the UN and the UK will probably find its way over here in about five, six, maybe seven years if we're lucky. And so we need to be watching out for all of this. But in the meantime, we absolutely need to save more babies. But I want to say, as my final point on the segment of just me drowning on and doing a monologue about all my passions and hates, if, in fact, the judges and Supreme Court justices stay strong and they side with the actual votes that they presented in this draft leak, then this will be monumental because so many babies will be saved and we have to be ready for that. We have to be ready for an influx of millions of babies, hopefully millions, every single year that are going to be born because of the laws that are in place. We have to be ready for that as people in the church. And so I would love to introduce one of my longtime and good friends, Maya Abraham. She is the founder of the nonprofit Great Life Teens, and she's going to be here to join us to talk a, a little bit about the future of Roe, the future of the pro-life movement, and really what this overturning of Roe could mean now that we're drawing in on the last few weeks before the decision is finally made. Oh, Maya, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, Lily. So glad you're here. So I obviously, you are really big in the pro-life movement and you are up boots on the ground in D.C. around that area right now. Mm -hmm. So why do you think the backlash from the media and the radical left is so intense about the question of abortion going back down to the states? Well, I think the first, like there's two parts of that. First of all, like the backlash is, it's seriously awful, y'all. Like there are thousands of pro-abortion people in DC right now, and they are aggressive and they are violent. I was there on on Tuesday. What was the day that was announced? So I'm losing track of my days because it's just been crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I was there on Tuesday and they were violent, throwing water. They trampled the group of pro-lifers, pushed. I was not with the group at the time. I was somewhere else, but they pushed them out of the Supreme Court area. They trampled like the 20, 30 pro-lifers that were there, pushed them out, poured water all over them. The police had to surround us pro-lifers and protect us from people because they were just being so, so aggressive. And we've never really seen pro-abortion people, like groups, like thousands of them do this before. And it's because they realize they are losing. And it's just, and, and I, I was explaining to someone, it's like seeing demons come out of people because they are, they, I was, so me and another friend, we were standing at the front of the group saying pro-life things back to back and they started spitting on us. They, we, they surrounded us and just flipping us off, like literally like right in front of like our eye, like literally they were like almost touching our eyes, pushing us around. And um, actually a friend had to come in and like put his arm over me and like barrel, barrel me out of the crowd because they just, they're just so aggressive. And it's just because, you know, they feel like they're losing and everyone wants power. This is what it comes down to when it comes to the life issue. They're, they're not really about, I don't believe they're about respecting women's rights at all because you know, last week there was no such thing as a woman, you know? Right. And, right. They remembered what a woman was real quick. Right. Right. And so it really, I truly believe it just comes down to this power struggle of this fight for power. And we want to have power over you and we want to have power. We just want to have power, even though they're doing this all in the name of freedom, but where is freedom? Where where was freedom for the child, right? And so they're losing when people lose power, they grasp and they have no logical argument because a group that I have been spending a lot of time with is a group called PAL, which is progressive anti-abortion uprising. And a lot of these people are, you know, democratic and everything except 
life and a lot of them are you know queer and lgbtq not my crowd for sure but i've been with (laughs) them because they've been the people that have been out there which is interesting but um they they lose they're like oh they can't say religion because half these people are atheists right i'm like one of the only christian people there right and they they're as soon as they say like oh this is just about religion and you guys being religious and all they're like well we're atheists and then they just shut up and all they can do is curse at us and punch us (laughs) you know and and so anyway all that to be said is they're grasping at straws now for power and that's why the media that's why that's why everyone's being so aggressive is everyone just wants, you know, everyone's like a little toddler that can't get what they want. And so all they can do is scream. Yeah. It's a full on tantrum. And it sounds like from two miles away, I had to park two miles away because they closed all the streets down around DC. And I, um, I, I got rented a bike (laughs) and I could hear, it sounded like a concert from two miles away, the amount of screaming they were doing. And when I say thousands, I mean, there were thousands of pro boards out there today. They obtained the, um, they obtained the home address of um, Justice. Uh, let me look real fast. Justice Al- Al- Alito. Alito. Today, they, Alito. Yeah, because yeah, he was they, the one who drafted the. They, you know, he was the one who drafted they, the dissent. Yeah, they got his home address, and they have been there being really aggressive. That starts actually in seven minutes. In twenty-seven minutes from right now, there are protests at his house. So we're gonna see how that goes down, because um, uh, you don't mess with justices. You do not mess with Supreme Court uh-huh. justices. So they're well, gonna and see of course, we both know that, that this is this is a tactic of full-on intimidation. I mean, they mm-hmm. did it to Libs of TikTok, the owner of Libs of TikTok. What's going to mm-hmm. stop them doing it from a Supreme Court justice if they're not about to get their way? Because they don't, res- yeah, they don't respect authority and they want, you know, they, they want power, right? Well, and- the rule of law means nothing to them as, as we've yeah. seen. And, you know, Biden recently came out and said that MAGA is the most extreme movement of the past decades. And I'm like, <laughs> do you see, first of all, BLM in the summer of darkness 2020, but yeah. second, I mean, you're experiencing the extreme nature of if someone's not able to kill their own children how aggressive people can get so my next question for you Maya is if Roe is overturned what do Americans need to prepare for well I think the first thing is to live not in fear of any of this there is a lot of fear that that they're trying to impose on us like oh if this happens you're going to um you're going you know we're going to do all these things to you guys and we're going to just make it so hard for you guys to have freedom and they're going to they're going to be harsh on pro-lifers for sure and so I think the first thing is to live with um a sight of freedom live in freedom and not in fear um be free from that fear and what that can look like from pro-lifers it means being unapologetically pro-life in everything you do no matter how many people I mean they're going to be aggressive especially in the schools um people in the schools who've never said anything before are now saying things there are pro-abortion rallies happening at our colleges around the world around the united states now because of this but no one really did anything before because they thought they were winning so it means going and it means talking to these people it means being radically different from the agenda that they are putting out than the agenda of being violent and abusive and and not having any logical consistency, right? Um, it means being radically different. It means bringing repentance and love to them and bringing you know, them the chance to walk into, into love, into the pro-life movement and show them that the pro-life movement will welcome them, will bring them freedom. Because ultimately, if this is a fight about freedom, if this is a fight about happiness, it never comes through, quote, being like God, right? That's where mm-hmm. we, that's where, 
sin stems from is the serpent asking Eve, like, do you want to be like God, right? And it was this power struggle, but, you know, power never comes, you know, freedom never comes from trying, from, you know, trying to be like, you know, being like God, right? Freedom, what did, what was God, like being like God in the eyes of the world? What did Christ do? What was freedom? What brought freedom for the world, right? It was him dying on the cross as a servant, right? Not having power over billions of people. So I would say just following that, following the cross and being unapologetically Christian, being unapologetically pro-life and your church and your school and not backing down, even though people are going to make you fear being pro-life. Um, Wow. You know, just never be known for being silent about the lives of millions of children dying. Yeah, that's huge. And I love that you said it brings up um, Satan asked, what do, would you like to be like a God? And it's funny because I'd like to point out he's asking Eve that he's asking mm-hmm. woman. He's not asking Adam because, of course, Adam would be like, yeah, sure. But he's asking Eve. And that's exactly the question that the, you know, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever you want to call it, argument revolves around. It revolves around mm-hmm. Eve. It revolves around a woman. It revolves around her wanting to do more and have more power over people and have equal power to God. And I think just the beauty of it all is we are made in Magwadei, right? We're made in the image and likeness of God, but it comes down to what direction we're going to go. Are you going to go in the direction of power of what you think being like God is being, you know, like being just over all these people and commanding them and controlling them? Or is it really the power of 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 God, really the power of Christ dying on the cross, being a servant for all, which changed generations. And 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 it's like it's that freedom of it's like the freedom of love or the freedom of fear, right? Because the freedom yeah. of fear is when you want to be controlling and control every aspect of your life, right? And and the freedom of love is, you know, first of all, knowing that God, God is sovereign, God has you know, power over all of this and working in that manner. Um, Yeah, that's good. And the pro-life movement, as you know, so intimately is about living a good life. We want everyone Mm -hmm. who is able to, and everyone who is unable to, we want to bring them to a place where they can live a great life, whether that's if you're being born into the foster care system, if you're adopted, if you were born into a family like you and I, a big friendly religious family, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's what great life teens obviously is all about. So I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask on a practical level, what is Great Life Teams doing to prepare for the possibility yeah. of Roe being overturned? Yeah. So the first thing, you know, our motto is bringing dignity back, dignity back to humanity by forming our communities. And we're all about that local community presence. And so obviously, if Roe is overturned, and I think this is what people don't understand, is it's not a complete ban on abortion, right? It's right, going back to your state. It, it goes back to your local community. So if these people want to be saying anything, they should be in their local communities talking to their politicians, Seriously. right? Um, not that we really want them to. <laughs> But, but, you know, want them to be telling the politicians, oh, yes, vote for killing babies. But, you know, it's going to come down. It's going to come down to the local communities and it's going to come down to the youth connecting our local communities together. So the first thing that we're doing in the month of May, we call it Mayflower Month. We're giving teens the funding to give out flowers to moms walking into crisis pregnancy centers and to give out at their schools and at their churches, like tabling in a way and just having conversations with people about what is going on in a kind way. That is what being radically different means. It means bringing people in into love, like helping them walk into forgiveness, helping them walk into love. Because, you know, I've, as I've stood at many protests this week and la- and a couple weeks ago too, you know, we had tons of these people just hating and hating and hating. And I can almost guarantee you that 
almost all of those women had either encouraged a friend to abort or had experienced an abortion themselves. And the reasons they're out there being so aggressive is because they experience shame. And so the best way, the best thing that we can do in our local communities is to welcome people through giving them flowers and talking to them about one thing, that abortion and Planned Parenthood are, is dangerous, right? It is so dangerous and we have better resources. We have a, we will provide you with money. There's let them live, right? Well, to help you, you know, bring your child into the world, to help you live a great life. We want each and every person to know that you can live a great life. So that's the first thing that we're doing um, to this in this month of May to really just in a tangible way, you know, we are, our goal is to give out 1000 flowers and have 1000 conversations at least with yeah. people in our communities. And, and second, you know, getting teens connected and revitalizing their local communities. So we provide teens funding to do pro-life things in the area and we strategize based on each area. But that's our one big thing happening in the month of May to really help row, um, help overturn row, right? And and different things like that. It differs on the area um, and strategize and strategizing for the area. But you know, it's really getting teens inspired and connected and then educated to do pro-life things in their area. So powerful. I'm so proud of you, Maya. But you you hit on two things that are really, really important, right? These women are out there, like you said, because they have direct experience with abortion or a friend or something like that. And they're trying to use the law to justify their bad decisions. And mm-hmm. similarly, teachers now are trying to use their students and indoctrinate their students into this weird queer CRT LGBTQ right. I- ideology because they want to yes. justify their need for um, attention, indiv- individuality, and the need to justify their weird sex habits. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. But the second thing is, you know, people always in the main argument is we're going to use this. Their main argument is if that person is going to live a bad life, aka foster care system if they're going to be born into poverty then they shouldn't even like have to experience that but I love what you're doing because you're saying no we want to help you live a great life and so your mission is so powerful so grassroots and I'm here for it but of course we can't declare victory as soon as Roe is overturned we can't get complacent yes it's a huge win a huge step in the right direction but there's a lot more work to be done So what will the battle become? Or in other words, what would the next goal for pro-lifers be after hopefully the justices stay strong and overturn Roe? Yeah, well, I mean, the goal would be that every state um, makes abortion illegal in their state. Um, There are 37 states that have said that they will have bans on abortion. Um, Not uh, There's 14 that will have complete bans, but 37 will have. Yeah, because it's somewhere in the middle because I've heard 26 have trigger laws, but. Yeah, so but there are 37 that have like that will have like semi bans. They like, you know, like 14, 26 weeks things like that that we have indications that like their house and their senate, you know, they'll come together and you know, pass something that would be, you know, be partial bans on abortion, not complete bans, but there are 14 that have tr- official like trigger laws that have been passed. But like say like in Michigan, they're fighting so hard to keep their trigger law in place because pro-abortion people are are on they're fighting to the teeth right now and so even if your state currently has a trigger law doesn't matter because the pro-abortion people are fighting to get that trigger law out of there and so um our fight of talking to each of our family members and our friends and knocking on doors and putting out flyers saying why it's so important that we are calling our senators that we are making sure that that the heart, that the heart is staying, you know, in, in the pro-life movement, that the heart of, we don't want to kill children, you know, and making sure that people are voting that way, voting that way, because we can't vote 
on anything else if we can't like we can't protect life if there is no life right if we don't believe in the inherent dignity of life if we can't vote in that way then what why why would we have any other laws right like you know if we don't understand the dignity of life what point is there to any other law right and um And so, you know, really researching, first of all, who you're voting for, but also that grassroots changes in our churches and our, and what, in your schools, talking, just starting by talking to your friends, because it's one big battle that is now going into 50 little battles. And, and well, that's fingers crossed if Roe is overturned, right? But now, and and it's going to isolate a lot of those battles, but it doesn't mean that we need to start fighting less, right? It means we have to start fighting more because it's going to come down to you in your community making that change. I know people who have have gotten governors single-handedly out of their by first by starting to door knock and telling them about that governor's voting record on how they treated their children. Right. And yeah. then by, because of that, you know, by a small percentage, they got that gov- they got a Republican governor to win. Right. And, and it's because, and it's because of one person, right. You start mm-hmm. one person starting, you got to start having those conversations, start telling people, start telling people the truth and people respond to the truth. Yeah, that's good. So the fight is not gone. It's just changing locations. It's yeah. going, from in the courts and on social media, you know, and looking at this whole big government blob, but now it's back in your states, it's back in your communities. Again, assuming that the justices are not intimidated and we're going to pray that they are not intimidated and they stay strong in their decision. But Maya, thanks so much for joining us today. It's fantastic. Um, Best of luck with reaching your goals in May. I think you definitely will. (laughs) And I'm excited to see how the, you know, pro-life argument has changed specifically because of your organization. Organization. So have a wonderful day, Maya. Thank you, Lily.